Welcome, welcome everyone, welcome to Revive. Uh, a couple things we forgot to announce. Here at Revive, we are on the up and up. We got connect cards now. Please, they should be under your desk, some, or under your desk. What am I doing, am I a teacher? It should be on your seat, under your seat somewhere. Uh, if you have not ever filled out one of those cards, ever, even if you've been to Revive for the longest time, we want you to fill it out. We just want to stay in contact. No spam emails, I promise. Maybe just like a couple. Um, just uh, We just want to keep in touch with you. We want to pray for you. Um, so please find time to fill those out. And uh, towards the end, um, you could come up to my sister and give it to the, her. And uh, she'll be collecting them towards the end. Or just like leave it somewhere and I'm sure we'll find it. So uh, anyway, it's just a way that we could keep track of the people who come because we want to love with you guys. We want you guys to be a part of us. We want you to be part of this family. So we want your information, etc. I'm going to stop blabbering about Connect Cards. So I'm going to continue. So today, um, if you guys were here last week, we preached a little bit. We preached. Yeah, we're all together preaching. What's happening here? Come on, Alex. Words. Last year we had a last year. What am I doing? Pray for me. All right. Today is a rough day. It was snowing this morning. It threw me off. It was 70 on Wednesday. And now it's snowing. It was just, it's been an off day. So what I meant to say is actually last year about, yes, no, I mean last year. Don't worry, guys. Last year, a week from now, um, I preached a sermon on the love of God. And honestly, I don't think I did it justice. Last week, we preached about the attributes of God and His characteristics, and I think that love is one of the most essential things, and and it's cool, again, I say this every single Sunday, I do not plan this with the worship team, it just happens to work out in a way where the worship songs just line up with exactly what the preaching is, and it's not crazy, it's the Holy Spirit working, and I just... I just ask you guys to just be open to receive today about what the Lord has to say. Um, I am going to be talking about the love of God, how unconditional, relentless, never-ending it is, all of these things. And we're going to be talking about the gospel, which has been such a trend in my sermons for some reason for the last three weeks. But you know what? I've only scratched the surface. So if I could preach the rest of the year about the gospel, I would. Because every time I look at it, it blows my mind. It crushes me and makes me happy at the same time. It gives me joy, makes me cry at the same time. It's so essential as a body of Christ to understand the gospel because all of it lies in who God is. In the very sense of God, God is love. That's how it works. I mean, he is love. So to understand the gospel, to understand even our calling, we have to first at least try to grasp who God is and what love is when we look at our Father. It's vital to understand. This love, it surpasses all the love that we can have, but it's exactly what fuels the love we have. God of love is, I mean, his love is, is, is boundless. It's, it's, it's greater than we could ever imagine, but it, it's the very same thing that fuels the relationships that we have, our friendships that we have, the marriages that we have. All of these things are fueled by his love. Let's open up um, Genesis. Um, there's a couple things I want to read from there. And this is not my first time going back to the creation story, but it's vital to understand why he created us to understand the love of our Father. In Genesis 1.27, it says this, So God created man in his own image, in the light, image and likeness of God. He created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, granting them certain authority, and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subjugate it, putting it under your power, and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. And then Genesis 2, 
verse 7, it says this, Then the Lord God formed that is created the body of man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being, an individual complete in body and spirit. There's something vital to understand here, that God in his very nature is love. When we read in passages where it says God is love, it's, 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 it's very different than reading God has love or God loves certain people. It's, 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 it's important to understand that his nature is love. We started going into this a little bit last week in the fact of the attributes that we read about God is his very nature. They're not just things or, or things he does or things he says, but his very nature is all-powerful. His very nature is, is all good. His very nature is love. So everything that God is, is love. And it's important to understand this because when we read a creation and him creating us in his image, that means he created us to be love. Now, unfortunately, we, ought, we have a very distorted view of that because we take love and we want to make it uh, about ourselves or make it uh, conditional to us. And we see that in, in 1 John four sixteen it says this, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. See, it takes away this idea of love that it's, it's created for us. God, lo, the love of God, it was there before creation even happened. It didn't appear when he created mankind. And I know it almost sounds harsh to say, oh, God, he didn't create love for me. But actually, it's more encouraging that God, in a sense, is love before he created us. So that when he created us, he did everything in creation out of love. His very nature had to be love before he could create us. It had to be. Because we have this idea that love came into existence when we came into existence. But when we start grasping the fact that love, it's not there at the beginning of our lives and it's not going to end at the end of our lives because God is overall, his nature is love. We begin to understand the quality that God holds and his love for us. You know, last week we had this, we, we, we began to discuss this, this um, interaction between Moses and God and the burning bush and it says, and he says these words to Moses, he says, I am who I am. And the whole idea of why we, we discussed this last week is because all of Scripture then begins to speak of who God is. And he wants people, he wants mankind to understand that all of those things that he says through Scripture is his nature. So when we talk about God is love, when we talk about him being joy, when we talk about him being powerful and just, all of these things are his Nature. So in the very same sense, what we're going to begin to talk about God being love. It's important, so vital to understand this exact thing that I am who I am. God is love. It's not just for us. He in himself is love. Now there's a few different, um, I would say, versions of love that mankind uh, kind of created through through the Bible, right? So I'm going to give you what what different kind of love we see throughout the Bible. All right. So first we have eros. It's the sensual or or romantic love, right? So for a significant other or uh, for someone you you marry, it's that's that that kind of love. And I, I feel like uh, the world today has that the most distorted than any type of love. That this idea because it's the most about us. This kind of love. It's like we create this love, this romantic love. It's like as long as I'm giving you something and you're returning something back, that's what love is. 
We lost the value of love, the meaning behind God's love. All these things we lost because we made it just conditional to man, from me to another person. And that's what we, re- we see here, the sensual love, although it is in the Bible, it's in Songs of Psalms, it's in marriages, all these things, it exists, but we warped it to make it accustomed to ourselves. And so when we begin to do this, when we begin to start warping this, this definition of love, even when it's between you and a significant other, we start losing a sense of what God's love is. And we're, we even see this in Paul in, in all of his epistles. He's battling this problem of immorality and all these things that people are taking that love that God created for people between significant others and warping it and changing it in a way that God, it's not the same as God intended it to be. We keep going. There's a, there's a love called storage. It's a, I could be totally mispronouncing these names, by the way, so don't test me. But it's storage, it's a, it's a Greek love that means it's a bond between parents and kids. All right, so it's, a, it's, it's parents and their children or a father and their son. It's that kind of love. All right? And then we have uh, philia, I'm sure most of you have heard, is, is the love or the bond between believers. It's like a strong friendship. Um, it's, uh, it's seen in John uh, 13, 35. It says this, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. So we see philia, that's that love between one another. It's the love that we, we see here every time we gather. It's, it, it's between one another. And then, and then we have God's love. It's, it's, I'm sure you've heard this term a lot of times, agape love. It's the highest form of love in the Bible. It's immeasurable. It can't be stopped. There's no separation. None of this. It's God's love. Just like the rest of his characters, him being everywhere, him being all-powerful, all-just, is the same thing as this agape love. His nature is love. It's so important to understand that because once we begin to build and see what, how God reveals his love to us, it's important to understand that it's not just an act that he does. It's something he has to do because it is his nature to love. And then we have this story of creation where God creates humans Creates him out of love and his image, and we, we get to the to the not not so good part, uh, the disobedient part. I was going to speak a little bit about the problem of evil today, um, as as dense and controversial that topic is. But we see that evil enters the world when mankind was disobedient to God's will. I mean paraphrasing, but we see the story of creation and God says, here, listen, I gave you uh, a tree with every kind of fruit that's going to be sufficient to all your needs and even more. Just do not eat from this tree. And we see that mankind chose to be disobedient and sin enters the world. But I am telling you, I I have to ask forgiveness because I think I've actually distorted the meaning of, of, of what sin is. Now, let me, let me explain. I had this idea of sin, that sin is what separates us from God's love. But that's so inaccurate when I read further on and see that nothing can separate us from God's love. We cannot be separated from it. But what sin does, it, it distorts our vision of who our Father is. When we look at sin, what it really is, it's warping and twisting what is good into our own likeness. So God does not change. God is the same no matter what we think, no matter what we do, God stays the same. So sin doesn't separate us from God, but it distorts and changes our view of who our Father is. We start getting the wrong view. 
And I think this is what started all philosophies, all other worldviews, all these things was this distorted view of what our Father is. We see that in evolution. It's like, oh, no, no, our Father isn't a higher being. It's nature. Nature is created. Everything's planned. All of this is predetermined. All of these things. It's just nature. It's a distorted view of who our Father is. We see it in every religion, everything. We see that they believe in a higher power, but it's not a personal Father. We have a distorted view of who our Father is. So sin, it, it never, it doesn't separate us from our Father, but it distorts who our Father is. It distorts what we think of who our Father is. Now there's something very interesting to see that when this happened in creation story, so when God created man and woman and he gave him the calling and he said, I created you in my image and my likeness, and then they chose to eat of the, the tree of good and evil and all of these things, when, when, when this progressed, that moment where sin came to play, what that moment where, where, where we were disobedient was the exact opportunity that God knew that there was a story of redemption about to happen through the rest of Scripture. It gave the opportunity for redemption. And I'm going to explain why this is so vital, because no other religion, no other worldview has the same view of redemption as we do. And that's why Christianity stands out as the truth versus any other view in this world. Because it is the truth, we believe it is the truth, and this redemption is exactly what proves that. See, God saw that humanity was depraved. God saw that humanity was fallen. And in that moment began redemption and God's grace falling upon his people. He knew that there was going to be a time that there had to be a sacrifice to redeem his people back to him. No other worldview does this happen. I want you to understand how vital this is. And the reason I bring this up is because no other worldview do you see God come down in, hu- in, in, all of, in mankind and become human to just simply die at the hand of humans because of his love for us. We do not see that in any other religion. It doesn't happen. Because nobody could imagine a God that's so good, so just, but at the same time loves us so much that he came down and died at the hands of humans just to prove his love for us. It doesn't happen anywhere else. It's so vital to understand that because if we read, if we even sing this worship song, it's like, oh God, I'm going to build my life on the foundation of your love. It's a firm foundation. If we don't understand the very gospel where his love is built, we never even understand what to build our life on. So before I could get into the calling, before I could get into our walk with Christ, all these things, it's so vital to understand how great this act of love truly was. I opened immediately when I'm reading this to John 3.16, and part of me laughed a little bit because I'm like, I've read this so many times in Bible, Bible school, Sunday school, when I was a kid, all of these things. But just read this slowly with me, John 3.16 to 18. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. Uh, the Greek translation says, says, God proved he loved the world by sacrificing his son. He didn't have to prove it, but he chose to prove his love to mankind by sacrificing his son. It says this, so now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. Verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. So now there is no longer any condemnation for those who believe in him. But the unbeliever already lives under the condemnation because they do not believe in the name of God's beloved Son. I want you to see this this very important part that says, So everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. 
I want to point something out that the Lord began to open up to me, create, uh, comparing creation story to how we're walking now. Let's go back a little bit, back to creation story. I know we're flip-flopping, but I'm going to explain why here in a sec. Genesis 2.9. It says, and out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. See, in Eden, God gave man everything they needed, sufficient to all their needs, but he still gave them a choice. An interesting thought that even now, that, 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 that it, here's, here's what's funny, the tree was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it's funny because they're walking side by side with the one who is all good, yet they chose the tree to try to figure out what was good and evil. I mean, imagine, they, they chose the tree even though they're walking with the creator of everything, of all good, of all justice. I mean, they're walking with the creator, yet they chose the tree. It's interesting because, I mean, all the goodness was right, right next to them. It was there. Now fast forward, we're going to go to Galatians, all right? So there's this entire story of redemption, and Jesus, sends, and Jesus comes down, and, and he dies on the cross for our sins. And, and, we, and we see in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, it says this, and this is the uh, Passion Translation. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, Kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. See, it's interesting because even now we have the same exact choice as they, the mankind did in Eden. We have the choice to seek the world or to seek the fruit of who God, what, the, the fruit that God created or intended us to partake of. See, he had Eden created with every tree, with every fruit that they ever needed. Yet they chose the one they weren't supposed to. They were disobedient. In the same way now, we have a choice to chase the fruit of the world or to chase the fruit that God has for our lives. The joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. All of these things are the fruit we get to partake in because of the sacrifice that he made. It's not by our own accord. It's not by something we did. That's a beautiful part of the gospel. It's because the sacrifice made. Because the second I think that I did something to deserve grace, I'm taken away from the very sacrifice that had to happen on the cross to fulfill the promise that God had for us. And that's what's the coolest thing. When we, when we understand that victory on the cross over sin, when we understand all these, I have a question for you. Have you ever tried battling sin head on? Like, man, I'm just going to try my best. Like, tomorrow I'm just going to line up all things. Oh, whatever I'm struggling with, whether it's pornography, whether it's, it's this or that, I'm going to try my best tomorrow to just not do it. We get exhausted and we fail and it's just a cycle where we fight it and fight it and fight it and the next Friday it happens again or the next week it happens again and then we try again and it's this constant exhausting battle to where we left. We leave up empty. But here's my second question. Have you ever tried fighting sin by just simply looking to the Father? going full forward towards the Father. I mean, devoting yourself and everything you have to the Father. Rather than focusing on the power of sin and thinking that it has some sort of hold over you, going to the Father and chasing Him is going to, you're going to better understand that you already had victory over that sin. 
It's, it's been done on the cross. It's not a fight anymore. When you begin to chase the Father, all the fruit of, 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 of this tree that we're not supposed to eat, it just doesn't, it, 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 we lose interest in that fruit because we understand the fruit of our Father. We don't want to chase the world because we begin to chase the Father and understand what He gives us is so much greater, so much stronger, so much more victorious than we could ever go through. I mean, it's so vital to understand. Let me read another passage for you guys. Romans 3, 25 to 26. It says this. Now, I want to, I want to let you know, um, most of my verses are from... Um, ESV version of the Bible, but the Passion Translation, I test them side by side to make sure, but the Passion Translation has a beautiful way of showing another view, or a poetic way, I would rather say, of showing the same scripture, uh, and I think still very accurately. It says this in verse 25, Jesus' God-given destiny was to be the sacrifice to take away sins, and now he is our mercy seat because of his death on the cross. We come to him for mercy, for God has made a provision for us to be forgiven by faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. This is the perfect demonstration of God's justice, because until now, he had been so patient, holding back his justice out of his tolerance for us. So he covered over the sins of those who lived prior to Jesus' sacrifice. And then verse 26 says this, And when the season of tolerance came to an end, there was only one possible way for God to give away his righteousness and still be truth to both his justice and his mercy, to offer up his own son. So then now, so now, because we stand on the faithfulness of Jesus, God declares us righteous in his eyes. It's interesting, this last, this last part of the verse says, so now we, because we stand on the faithfulness of Jesus, God declares our righteousness, us righteous in his eyes. It's because Jesus was faithful to the destiny that God called him to, to die on the cross, is now why we stand righteous in front of God. It takes all authority away from us, and it's all on Jesus. He said, because of his obedience, because of his faithfulness, you stand righteous before me. It's not by our own faith. We could try as hard as possible. We could try to do all these things, but until we understand that aspect that it's because of Jesus' faithfulness, our faith in Christ, it, it's, our, the grace given to us was a gift, and it's not something that I can work for. It's just simply a gift when I walk with Jesus. It's a gift given to me. That was the perfect sacrifice for anything I could go through. See, it's so important to realize this because this, this sacrifice was sufficient so that now we don't walk in shame. We don't walk in guilt. There's no condemnation because that sacrifice was already sufficient to cover all of these things. It's interesting because when we back, go back up to Genesis, we, we back it up and see there, what, is, what did God say after all this happened, after they ate from the tree? What are the God's first words? He said, who told you you were naked? It's because they were ashamed. It's because they had a distorted view of the Father, and they thought, oh, I need to hide from this. I can't, I got to hide all these things from him. And he said, who told you you were naked? In the same way here, he says, no, 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 I don't want you to become perfect and then come to me. You come to me and you receive righteousness because of the faithfulness of Jesus. Those things are already covered. Come to me as you are with everything that you have. Come to me as you are. Because he takes away the shame He takes away the guilt because you understand his love. 
I know I'm jumping all over scripture, but the only way that I could back this and speak this in a, uh, in a good way is through scripture. I mean, it's the, it's the only authority that we can live by is what scripture tells us. It's our, it's our source. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. I want all guys in here to perk up real quick and listen to this if you're asleep. And to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride, just imagine that for a second. Paul's calling all husbands to have the same devotion as Christ had to the church, to his bride. It's big shoes to fill. And it says this, For he died for us, sacrificing himself to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. Watch 27. It says, All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without flaw, fault or flaw. When we understand what Christ did for us, when we understand that his grace showered on us to to make us glorious and radiant before the Lord. We understand that this entire story through scripture, all the things we read of God's character, it's to ultimately point mankind back to him. It's his bride coming glorious, radiant, without flaw, back to the Father. It's the point of the sacrifice. It's the point of the gospel. All these things. The point is he loved us so much that this is what was necessary to return back to walking side by side with our father. So now this distorted view of our father, it's it's mended because of a sacrifice that he made. And the reason that no matter what I do, no matter how many times I mess up, God doesn't change and I could come to him the same exact way and that grace, that love will never change. That is why, where my faith lies. We are his bride, holy and pure before him because of what Jesus did on the cross. There's something important that throughout this, all these scriptures through creation, all, this, all these things we realize that, that, that love and value, they, they go together. It's hard to separate love and value, right? We love people because uh, they give us value. We give them value, and that is love. And I think that when God was creating us, this same love, it, he, he poured that value into us. He said, God, you are made in my image. You are made in my likeness, and I'm just calling you to walk with me in this world. So he loved us and he valued us. You know, there's a, there was a study done. It was a, a psychology study on, on children who were affirmed or, or valued when they were younger versus uh, children who weren't. And, and so when they did this study, they, they noticed a, a few things in, in the children that were valued, that were told they loved, that were told that they were beautiful, all these things versus children who weren't. And it says this, that the children who are valued have the ability to step out and try things that may present da- danger, I want, you, I, want to, I want to make sure you guys are grasping this, right? Compare this study. They have the ability to comprehend and to get through situations of... Here's my reminder. Sorry. This is have the ability to comprehend and get through situations of struggle easier. Have the ability to adapt to the circumstances around them easier. Have the ability to problem solve in hard situations easier. 
So now we take the study and we understand that loving someone is putting value into them. And when we understand the Father's love for us, is he is showing us the value that we have because of who created us. He's saying, if you know me, you know why, uh, you have the purpose of why I created mankind. And we see all of these things, we see this throughout scripture, that all these things that we see in the study are affirmed in us. We have the ability to step out and try things that may present danger, that are uncomfortable, that are all these things because God loves us and we understand that love. We have the ability to comprehend and get through situations of struggle easier because we understand that we have a love that transcends all of the struggle that we could go through these through on earth. Everything we go through here on earth, we know that the love of God, those things cannot separate us from that love. So we have the ability to adapt to the circumstances around them easier. This reminds me of when Paul in in, in Philippians, he's talking about suffering. He says, I count it all as joy because he understood the love of the Father. He said, it doesn't matter if I'm suffering, if I'm getting tortured, if I'm getting beat, even if I'm writing this from a prison cell, I understand who my father is, so I count it all as joy. I believe that Paul had rough times. He had times where he was, he was in, in, in the bloodied up, in prison, all these things, but I think that there was a supernatural joy that he understood because he knew who his father was. He did not worry about the next day. He did not doubt what was next because he was so confident in who created him. It says we have the ability to problem solve in hard situations. It's because when we problem solve, all the problems revolve around this world. And we have a God that is outside this world, that is alpha and omega, that is the beginning and the end, that knows what we need before we even need it. We have a God that loves us to the point where he made a sacrifice in order to be with us. No matter what we go through here, we have a father that we can look to that helps us through it all. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here, and uh, we're going to get into into just praising our Father. But I want to I want to read a quote for you guys as they as they come up here. <clears throat> C.S. Lewis said this about. <clears throat> God's love. He said, the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. It's so incredible to, to understand this, this love and, and look at creation because, because God intends to make us into the being perfect in his eyes. I mean, it says it in scripture where he says they're going to be holy and beautiful. My bride is pure and glorious in my eyes. So when we understand God's love, no matter what we go through in this life, God uses it to mend us to how he wants us to walk with him. He mends us into the creation that he had intended us to be because he loved us. And that sacrifice that was made, it, it... Man, when we dig into this, I mean, it is so incredible to see that sacrifice that we don't see anywhere else. And we walk in freedom. And we don't have to work for anything. We don't have to, we don't have to accomplish anything to get this love. 
I mean, almost every other religion, there has, there's something you have to accomplish, there's something you have to do to, to obtain the love and value from the Father, from whoever is the greater one, from whoever is God. And Christianity and, and, and the God that we believe in says you don't have to do anything, that it was a sacrifice that was made, that when you begin to follow me, when you surrender your life to Jesus, all those fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, it, it fills you because of who God is, not because of who we are. Let's stand. As we, as we worship today, I want, you to, I want you to think of the cross. I don't know what song they're going to sing, and I, I, all of them are great because they're amazing, but um, when we hear about the God's love in whatever song it is, I want you to think back to the cross and what the sacrifice had to be made to show that love to mankind. I mean, it's the most incredible thing that we can experience. So when we, when we worship, when we praise Him, when we, we, we thank Him for His love, just, just think back to what He had to do, the sacrifice that our Father had to make in order for us to walk in that love. Let's worship. Hello. Hello. Hey. Um, hi, guys. My name is Anastasia. I'm just regular run-of-the-mill girl here. Um, I just feel like when we were singing, I will not be shaken... I will not be moved. I feel like there's people in this room who have this like stirring, like, man, I would really love to declare that. I love singing that. That sounds so good. But have this kind of like fear of like <sighs> declaration. That's like, that's scary. You're telling me that I have like, that's my whole life. Like, ooh, I don't know if I'm ready to take that step. Well, guess what? We're never really going to get there. But it's all about actually declaring that out, not singing it, but screaming to the heavens and saying, God, even if it's like, God, I just declare in this moment, I will not be shaken to learn what the foundation of your love looks like. And if that's the step you need to take tonight, that's an amazing step to take because that's where it starts. It's not a declaration of saying, like, I'm going to declare this passion on my heart, this fiery thing that I want to do. Sometimes it starts with just the foundation. And that's where you need to start. So I just feel like we, we should sing that again. But I just like felt like there's a breakthrough in this room to sing that, to declare that. Not to sing it, not to praise it, but to declare it. And if that means you have to scream it, who cares? We're not here to sound pretty. We're here to worship him. And whatever that looks like for you, I just encourage you to press into that breakthrough and declare over your life that you will build that foundation of love to go wherever it is that he's calling you to. There are people in this room who are called to greater things, but let's start with the foundation of his love. So I just want to sing that again. And like, if you got to get on your knees, if you got to sit in a corner, if you got to dance around, do it. Press in for that breakthrough. Let the foundation of love begin tonight over those words. So let's just sing that right now. As we, uh, as we come to a close, I, I really believe that there is power in, in the body of Christ praying together. Um, we see in pretty sure Acts 12, um, it says the church was earnestly praying for Paul when he was in prison. And then a few verses later, a miracle happens and Paul's out of prison and, and amongst them worshiping with them. 
And so I was praying there. I was just, um, the Lord just opened up what he wanted us as a group to pray for. And, and he put one thing uh, on my mind is that I think that there's something that, that plagues this generation, that plagues the generation after us, that plagues even the generation before us. I think that, uh, that depression distorts the view of our father heavily. Um, it, it's crazy because uh, depression affects non-believers as much as it does believers. It's, everyone struggles with it. And even in believers, it, it distorts our view of who the Father is. And the and devil uses this, this depression to, to begin implementing and instilling lies and breaking down this foundation that we once had about God's love. And, and as we declare to that we're not going to be shaken, as we declared that we're going to be building our foundation on God's love, uh, right now as a group, we're going to pray against the power of depression over this generation over the next generation, over the generation of before us, that that, that that is going to begin to stop and that power, it doesn't even hold a light to the power of the cross and what happened in the resurrection. So let's pray. Oh, Lord, we come before you. Lord, right now we pray against the power of depression over this generation over the next generation, over the generation before us, that this plague, Lord God, has no power compared to your grace and your love that you showed on the cross, Lord. That at the feet of, the, at the at the base of the cross, we leave depression, Lord, and we 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 declare victory over it, Lord God. It will it will not distort our view of who you are anymore, God. You are a Father that is loving, that is personal that reaches out to us, that chases us, Lord God. And this plague, Lord God, this thing that the devil uses to influence so many, Lord, we declare freedom over it, Lord God. Even in this room right now, Lord God, those who struggle with depression will stop in the name of Jesus today because of what you did, Lord God. Lord, I pray victory in this room, Lord God. I pray that we will not be shaken because of your love, Lord God. And I pray as we walk with you, Lord God, the things that once held us, that hinder us, begin falling off because of your victory on the cross, Lord. So I pray right now, Lord God, that we walk in victory over depression, over anxiety, over fear. And Lord, those things do not belong where your spirit belongs, Lord. Those things do not belong where your spirit belongs. And so we pray victory, Lord God and declare that into the spiritual world that depression does not belong in our lives, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. As we come to a close, guys, we we love you guys. Um, We love this family. Um, we're, We're so happy that you guys come back every Sunday. Um, I don't know how you guys come back and listen to me every Sunday. I'd be surprised myself. So um, uh, the point, what was I getting there? The point is I want to hang out with you. We want to hang out with you. Stay after. We have snacks. We have a cheese board. You know, the whole usual deal, all of that. Um, So, yeah, love you guys.